big news, because we had so much fun at our last live show, we're doing it again. That's right. We're going live again, but this time we're going to the Ripped Bodice in Brooklyn, which is an absolute dream come true of a location. This show is going to be part of a larger romance festival being put on by Fish Market Theater Company. And I'll give you details about all of the awesome events that they'll have going on that weekend soon. But for now, head on over to the ticket link in the show notes and get your tickets for our performance, which will be on March 9th at 7.15 p.m. Eastern Time. We don't have streaming set up quite yet, but we're working on it because we know a lot of you aren't in New York. But if you are or if you can get here, we hope that you'll get your tickets and come join us because it's going to be a blast. Your crush on Mr. Bennett is getting out of hand. Like, he's not even in these chapters. I know. (laughs) Hey, just because I said daddy doesn't mean I'm necessarily talking about Daddy Bennett. Oh, don't lie. I know who you're talking about. Hi, I'm Becca. I'm Molly. This is Pod and Prejudice. A podcast where we read Jane Austen and tell you about it. Yeah, we talk about it a lot. We do some deep dives into each chapter and kind of dissect them and try to figure out... I think at this point, if you're still with us and we're in volume the second, you probably know our deal. Yeah, I hope so. (laughs) But if you don't, welcome. Yeah, totally. So for today's episode, I assigned Molly to read chapters five through eight of volume the second. Volume the second. And we are somewhere different. Yes, we're in Hunsford, the parsonage. We left off with Lizzie talking to Jane, who's finally like, yeah, Caroline's a bitch. Finally. But she's also sort of moving on from her Bingley heartbreak. Slowly but surely. And where we begin, chapter five, Lizzie's really happy that Jane seems to be in a good place Mm -hmm. and feels okay leaving her in London and moving on to visit Charlotte at Hunsford with our best friend, Mr. Collins, that weird-ass statue of Peter the Great. Yes, I hope you all enjoy our our casting of it. the movie so far so they get to Colin's house and and what she's especially excited about is to kind of see if Wickham is right about Lady Catherine Catherine yeah so I love that her initial instinct is I cannot wait to shit talk with Wickham once I am back yeah baby girl honey yeah that whole thing is weird I'm glad that we've left him alone for a little bit because oh it's definitely healthy to do so yeah so The narrator notes that Mr. Collins has done quite a nice bit of landscaping around the house, or (laughs) at least that's how I read it, basically just describing the grounds and how beautiful it is there. Well, Mr. Collins has to be good at something, and it turns out he's better with plants than people. He is! Plants and interior design. He's like HGTV for the fucking 19th century. Oh my god, if he was alive today, he would totally, like, spend his weekends watching HGTV and nothing else. That is so true! And he would take notes. There are friends of mine, I won't name names because they know who they are, who watch (laughs) an inordinate amount of HGTV and will feel very attacked by this narrative. Oh no. Then we we run into our friend, our new friend, Mrs. Collins, who... Who's Mrs. Collins? It took me aback. That's Charlotte now. Yes, she is married to Mr. Collins. I hate that. I know. (laughs) Charlotte Collins. Yeah, it's, it's a trend in Jane Austen books that... Once someone's married, they get referred to by, 
whatever their married name is, because we've been calling all the men by, like, their last names. Which I have thoughts on later. It's a little weird. It is just how they do it. It is strange. And then the women all get to have their first names. Mm -hmm. But then... Until they're married. Once they're married, you become Mrs. Bennett. Yeah. Well, you become Mrs. Bennett because you want to marry Daddy Bennett. I'm going to marry Daddy Bennett. But No, we'll just have a nice little side for you. (laughs) Anyway. I'll be the chill girl. Um, to Mrs. Bennett. Yikes. So Lizzie is, is happy to see that Charlotte is pretty much the same. She hasn't changed too much and nor, neither has Collins. He's equally as annoying as ever. Yeah, their dynamic as a couple is interesting. So weird. But I do think that at this point it's nice that Lizzie's sort of leaving her judgment for Charlotte a little behind. Yeah, she's checking it at the door and she's just excited to see charlotte because she genuinely missed her they're best friends it's so sweet yeah she didn't miss collins she didn't miss collins none of us did except i kind of missed him because it's so much fun to shit on him it is fun (laughs) he's an integral part of the plot i think he's kind of tying a lot of different threads together so he's gonna i feel like he's gonna be around he brings them inside and he comments on his own neat and beautiful home, mostly talking to Lizzie, trying to make her jealous and like, this is what you're missing out on. This is what you could have. Have you ever had uh, someone you rejected go really hard on Instagram, like posting photos and then you're just like, that's not enticing to me. Yeah. <laughs> that's Mr. Collins in this moment. He's like unbuttoned his shirt and he's like, look what you could have. Ew. I Ew. <laughs> Stop that. Stop that. So That's exactly how Lizzie feels, too. She's like, yeah, oh, good. Lizzie can't really think about anything except for how Charlotte seems pretty happy and how she's very surprised that Charlotte is so happy with someone like him as her husband. It is somewhat complicated and nuanced, but I think there is a way in which Charlotte's life has gotten easier because she's no longer a spinster. Yeah, she's finally happy. It must be stressful to think that you have to rely on your little brother who's like a small boy (laughs) in your later life. And she's like, what, in 27 or something? Yeah. Yeah, I really, I'm rooting for Charlotte. And so there's there's a way in which now she's just comfortable. Mm -hmm. And... She's getting to, like, do the things that married women do, like... She gets to tend a house. Yeah. She gets to, I don't know, embroider. Oh, boy! I know. (laughs) No, it's really nice. It is. It's nice for her. It's just funny to think about now, like, all these things that she's excited about. I think, like, the life suits her. Yeah. It's noted that sometimes Mr. Collins says particularly embarrassing stuff, and Lizzie looks over at Charlotte and sees that she, like, is blushing, but usually she just pretends not to hear, which I, I love. Collins takes them for a walk in his garden, which he makes sure to tell them that he tends to himself, and Lizzie marvels at how Charlotte keeps a straight face as she talks about how good gardening is for one's health and how she's always encouraging him to do it. She wants him tired at the end of the day. So he does not talk to her. Oh, I was going to say, so he doesn't have the energy to bang her. Oh! (laughs) The gardening keeps him away from her because she's tending the house. Yes, exactly. She wants him out of her sight. If he's, like, pruning tomato plants, then he can come back in, be dirty, and just not ready to, like, come back. Oh, I must bathe. Okay, honey, you do that. Yep. So he talks about the garden in a way. He's, like, showing them all the views, Mm -hmm. and Lizzie notes that it, like, kind of takes away the beauty of it because he's like, I have 15 trees in that cluster and if you look here, (laughs) 
<laughs> it's like if you're standing in front of a beautiful landscape and someone's like, did you know that the bottom of this forest floor is like 83% animal feces? You sound exactly like the guy in that episode of The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody when Ashley Tisdale goes on a date with the nerdy boy and he's like, did you know that most of the dust under your bed is actually dead skin? And she's <sighs> like, I want to get out of here right now. So... <laughs> His favorite view is the view of Rosings, which is where Lady Catherine de Bourgh lives. Sorry, who lives there? Lady Catherine de Bourgh. <laughs> that is bizarre because he's he like I I am endeared by Mr. Collins's love for his garden as yes. weird as it is, but dude, it's just a mansion. Yeah, and it's not a, it's a it's like a nice modern house, and he's a little bit obsessed. Oh yeah, no. Not he's... that I'm just noticing that now, but <laughs> he's a little bit creepily obsessed with the patronage of Lady Catherine de Bourgh. The ladies don't have the right shoes on for a walk in the meadow because there's a little bit of a frost over it, so they leave to go back to the house and he continues on the walk with William Lucas, Sir William Lucas. Charlotte is glad to show her sister and her friend the house without the help of her husband. Without the help of her husband. <laughs> yeah. And Lizzie notes that the house is actually quite comfortable and enjoyable when Collins can be forgotten. And it says, by Charlotte's evident enjoyment of it, Elizabeth supposed that he must be forgotten often. Which, yeah, if she's always setting him out to go garden. Exactly. She must really like this place. Like, there cannot be enough tending to those 15 trees. Yeah. 15%. And then Charlotte just gets to sit and read. It's kind of perfect. Yeah. I think Charlotte's killing it. So then it's time for Collins to go on about Lady Catherine de Bourgh. He talks about how great she is for a while and then tells Lizzie that she'll have the honor of seeing her at church on Sunday. How exciting. And did Lizzie know, by the way, that they dine with her at Rosings about twice a week? Oh boy. So we can look forward to that, hopefully. Fingers crossed. <laughs> she always sends them home in one of her many carriages. Never lets them walk home. How generous. You know, this was like a paragraph or two, and I was like, by the end, I don't really care about anything having to do with Lady Catherine de Bourgh. Okay, we'll get there in the later part of this episode, but I am so excited to talk about Lady Catherine de Bourgh. <laughs> Everything that happens surrounding her, I'm bored by. I'm like, I want drama. Oh my god, really? I feel like she's a messy bitch. Not when Collins talks about her, but in yes. real life? In real life, she's... Oh. Well, I love to hate her oh my god yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get there yeah we'll, we'll get, get there, there. <laughs> so charlotte agrees that lady catherine de berg is a charming person and a good neighbor and lizzie goes to bed that night just thinking about how charlotte seems to be handling everything well and she's kind of like how is the rest of this trip gonna go because i don't see what's gonna happen here. same lizzie yeah same <laughs> except that i think what was gonna happen was pretty obvious yes well, I made a prediction. <laughs> you did. And I was right, but we'll get to it. I made a prediction and I'm so excited <laughs> about it. So the next day, there's a loud noise coming from downstairs and Lizzie's like, what's that? And Maria Lucas runs upstairs to tell Lizzie to come quick. And so Lizzie's like, okay. She goes downstairs and sees, oh, there's a carriage outside carrying Baby DeBerg and Mrs. Jenkinson, who is like her, I don't know person who's person by her, her they handler don't, they don't really talk about what mrs jenkinson does but from baby de Berg's general presence you kind of get the sense that mrs jenkinson's kind of a nurse yeah sorts. she kind of like takes care of her and lizzie's really unimpressed by the fact that there's a carriage outside she was like oh i thought there might be some like pigs in the road or something <laughs> i don't remember exactly. so much cooler yeah and charlotte's out there talking to her and 
Maria marvels to Lizzie at how skinny and small Baby DeBerg is. They're so rude. <laughs> oh my god, it's so petty. Baby it's DeBerg so petty. didn't She's do sick. anything wrong. <laughs> I do want to know what her deal is. Like, why is she so tiny and... I don't know if they ever say. I mean, it's one of those things where before penicillin... or Well, before... I'm allergic to penicillin, fun fact. Before, like people were good at actually like staying alive Mm -hmm. and vaccines and all this stuff kids got really sick and then some of them would survive really bad illnesses but be just weak people oh yeah maybe she had like polio or something yeah it's never specified i mean Mm -hmm. so baby deberg is someone who you don't learn a lot about right now other than the fact that she's just tiny described as kind of not attractive and quiet and clearly ill. I noticed here that Maria used the expression, la. I have no idea. I think it's like, well, like. Sh- yeah, I loved it, though. How was it, it, it used? La, my dear. That is not Lady Catherine. The old lady is Mrs. Jenkinson, who lives with them. The other is Mr. Berg. I think la is just kind of an exclamation. La, la. Well, I like it. You can start using it. Great. Just spice up your vocabulary a bit. So Baby DeBerg never comes inside, so Charlotte has to stand in the cold to talk to her. And Lizzie thinks, I like her appearance. She looks sickly and cross. Yes, she will do for him very well. She will make him a very proper wife. She's talking about Darcy. She's talking about how Darcy deserves someone who is cross and sickly. First of all... Rude. So rude. Also, why do we keep making fun of Baby DeBerg's illness? Yes. Like, it's not, it has nothing to do with her personality. I mean, her personality seems a little bit gray from this section as well, but still. Sure. Second of all. But she's probably tired. (laughs) Second of all, Lizzie is so fucking petty. Obsessed. Oh. Oh. (laughs) That was going to be my third of all. (laughs) She is so obsessed with Mr. Darcy. It's been really subtly built mm-hmm. up until this point, and we've had like a few Darcy-less chapters, which were weird. Mm-hmm. I always forget how long the stretch without Darcy, like between part one and two, is. Yeah. But she really talks about him a lot. She does. Then Baby DeBerg and Mrs. Jenkinson leave, and Charlotte tells them that they've been invited to dine at Rosings the next day. Which you just automatically know is code for this is about to get interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That brings us into chapter six. So Collins is just (laughs) delighted. Over the moon, some might say. He knew that she would invite them over at some point for dinner, but he had no idea it would be so soon after they arrived. And, and, oh, and and she invited everyone. She didn't even leave any of them out. Which would have been rude. Also, like, who would she have left out? It sounds like the DeBergs often just deal with the Collinses as they see fit. And the Collinses are like, whatever. Yeah. I wouldn't say the Collinses as a whole. Because I think that Charlotte probably is indifferent. Well, yeah, that she is like, whatever. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Collins takes what he can get. Yes. And Charlotte's just like, eh, right. Yeah. But what we do have is this little tidbit from William Lucas. Mm-hmm. Should I just read it? Yeah, go for it. William Lucas says, I am the less surprised at what has happened from the knowledge of what the manners of the great really are which my situation in life has allowed me to acquire about the court such instances of elegant breeding are not uncommon this is such a little battle between father and son-in-law right oh yes like i know some good breeding too it's like oh you associate with people with good breeding I I have good breeding. Yes, I love that. Do you? Well, (laughs) I 
love that for Sir William because I don't like Colin. Fair enough. They spend the whole rest of the day and all of the next day talking about going to dinner at Rosings or I guess... Collins is mostly doing all of the talking about it. You get the sense that everyone in this house is just trying to avoid Mr. Collins and he just wants to talk to all of them yeah. all the time. Yeah. Must be a welcome relief for Charlotte. Yeah. He thinks they're all going to be so overwhelmed by how elegant it all is. And he tells Lizzie not to worry about her clothes. This was savage. savage. This was terrible. <laughs> he says, I'm just going to read it. I, yeah. There's so many direct <laughs> quotes in this episode. Do not make yourself uneasy, my dear cousin, about your apparel. Lady Catherine is far from requiring that elegance of dress in us which becomes herself and daughter. I would advise you merely to put on whatever of your clothes is superior to the rest. There is no occasion for anything more. Lady Catherine will not think the worse of you for being simply dressed. She likes to have the distinction of rank preserved. First of all, rude. Rude! So rude. Second of all, Mr. Collins, the fuck do you know about dresses? Oh my god. Mr. Collins probably has 15 of the same outfit, and he just wears the same thing every day. It's just a mustard yellow robe <laughs> that he wears as, I don't know what a rector wears all the time, but I, I feel like either. I feel like at some point there's a robe, mm-hmm. and I really want his to be like mustard, mustard yellow. yellow. Yeah. You know this man has never looked at nice fabric and thought, hmm, I'm gonna wear that in his life. No. Oh, God. So... He keeps telling them to hurry up while they're all getting dressed, and I'm picturing him like the little brother who's like really excited to go to the holiday party and his sisters aren't being fast enough and he's like running around the house like, come on, we're gonna be the last ones there. That's me in my house, except I'm like usually chill about it, so my dad will come do the rounds at some point and be like, hey, you haven't started getting ready, and I'll be like, okay, I'll, I'll go get ready, and then I get ready, and, and then nobody I'm else is ready. the first person ready, yep. and so I just sit in the front of my parents' apartment waiting for everyone else to get ready and then my dad is like yelling at everyone he's like we're gonna be late and I'm like dad I don't know how to like help you with this yeah and then oftentimes my mom will be like oh I have to finish this task and then my dad will start doing something and then she'll be mad that he started doing something this is and then while she's waiting. <laughs> so they walk because it's nice out and Lizzie thinks that the house is very nice but she's not you know in the raptures over it that Collins is expecting her to be in he's telling her how many windows there are how much it originally cost to build and Maria and William Lucas are really nervous. Maria has just completely shut down. She can't speak and William is actually starting to sweat and Lizzie's feeling pretty confident. She's like, I think I can probably stay calm in the face of rich people. Yeah, she also doesn't care necessarily. Like, she can hold her own. Yeah, she can hold a conversation. I said this a couple episodes back, but Lizzie is not someone who cares what people think about her unless it matters for some reason. Yeah. So, like, it mattered to make a decent impression on the Bingleys and Darcy with her family because she wanted Jane and Bingley to work out. Right. Here, other other than not embarrassing Charlotte... She has no reason to care what Catherine de Berg thinks of her. Exactly. At this point in my notes, in my book, I wrote, I hope Darcy is in there. I wanted them to, like, walk in and be greeted by Darcy. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> I've been wanting him to be here since we ended chapter, ended like volume a, the first. You sound like Lizzie. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I was just like, I feel like the drama would be, ooh. Mm. So... <laughs> They go inside and Lady Catherine de Bourgh is there. She rises to meet them with condescension. And I w- was feeling really frustrated about how much they use that word with her, thinking like maybe it means something different than I think it means, but it really doesn't. It's like with arrogance and um, what did I Googled it? 
patronizing superiority. Oh, yeah, definitely. So Which is exactly what she... She's awful. I hate her. <laughs> yes, Lady Catherine de Bourgh is explicitly condescending at all times. And why does Collins love that for her? Well, partially, Collins does believe that he is beneath her. Secondly... Collins has no social skills, so he can't sense any ill will or malice in it. He only senses that someone's paying attention to him. And it's just because she loves to nag so much that she'll literally nag anyone who comes into her path. As we see in these chapters. Yes, we do. And I want to take a moment here to just say I fucking live for Catherine de Berg. She is of course such, you do. <laughs> she is such a bitch. She is so mean. And she is so classist. She's terrible. She is so fucking hilarious. I'm I'm intrigued. I wonder if having seen her in a movie version would help me like her more. Well, who are you picturing now? Because when you first met Catherine de Bourgh in terms of just hearing about her, you said Gwyneth Paltrow. I'm still picturing Gwyneth Paltrow. (laughs) Okay. But like done up with a lot of makeup, face painted like white with like pink cheeks so i would say think a little older okay just generally part of it is that she is just that what about what about grandma type what about ooh? what about imelda staunton oh that's a good pick but taller yeah i mean i could tell you who plays her in the 2005 version if you wanted i would like to have a picture so judy dench plays her judy dench that's who i was thinking of wait i'm sorry i'm gonna Probably cut this, probably not, because it's funny, but I was picturing Judy Dench and you saying said when Mel Paltrow. Paltrow. Oh wait. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Because, no, because I was picturing hang on, let me just find the picture that oh I Oh my god, wait, wait. How did you confuse Judy Dench and Gwyneth Paltrow? I'm gonna They're show not- you. Just for the record, all three of the actresses we're talking about right now have been in very famous Jane Austen adaptations. Oh, great. So you will see them all in Jane Austen things, but in different movies. But explain to me Judy Dench and Gwyneth Paltrow getting confused in your brain. I would have um, understood Imelda Staunton. Well, um, so right now I have the cast of Alice in Wonderland pulled up. And none of these people are who I was... Are you thinking of Helena Bonham Carter? No. (laughs) Yes, but no. (laughs) I was thinking of Helena Bonham Carter with the Queen of Hearts makeup, Uh right? But I was thinking of Judi Dench in her makeup from... Has she been in, like, what... what, uh... She was Queen Elizabeth in Shakespeare in Love. Wait. This is what I was picturing. Yes, that is who we're talking about. All right, so in my brain, because I know that Gwyneth Paltrow was in Emma, is that correct? She was also in Shakespeare in Love. I know that Gwyneth Paltrow was in Shakespeare in Love. She played Viola. Okay. I know. All right, so. This has been quite the tangent, but this is really important. So you literally were picturing Judi Dench, who plays her in the 2005 version of Pride and Prejudice. Wow. Yeah. Proud of myself. Yeah. Don't know why I'm confused her with. Yes. But I I love a character who's just a vitrolic, mean, proper, prissy old lady. Like, every time they come into contact with a woman like me in one of these books, who's, like, not willing to take their crap, I just love watching the interactions. They're so good. It is very good. Also, to her credit, she is in charge of her estate in this time period. Oh, she really is. And- We get to that when she starts talking about the entailment, for example, but 
for now. Charlotte made Collins promise in advance that she could do all of the talking when they arrived, which I loved. So she introduces everyone and it's fine. They, William, they literally say, we want to make sure that we don't have to deal with all the apologizing. Yes! <laughs> because he's the worst! And so William is like, speechless and just takes a low bow and then maria is she doesn't know where to look lizzie feels fine and she thinks that maybe lady catherine might have even been hot at some point and she notices at the same time as she's thinking this that she sees the resemblance to darcy lizzie admit things to yourself (laughs) so lady catherine as we've just talked about sounds like a bitch her air was not conciliating nor was her manner of receiving them such as to make her visitors forget their inferior rank i'll just leave that there (laughs) lizzie decides in this moment that wickham was right about her Oh, yeah, Wickham was totally correct in his evaluation of Lady Catherine de Bourgh. So then Lizzie turns her attention to Baby de Bourgh, and we again talk about how ill and sickly and quiet she is. Which, rude. I still don't know why we're focusing so much on that. I mean, I think Jane Austen's trying to really drive home that Baby de Bourgh is not attractive. Yeah, I just, like, wish that they wouldn't say it's because she's sick, but I guess because of the time period, if you're, like, small and withering, or however she may be, that's not, like... She's not buxom. (laughs) Yeah, you don't look like you're going to bear children very well in this time. And also, like, as dark as this is, you might not live that long. Oh, (laughs) poor baby DeBerg, but... I want to see the spinoff series of her and Mrs. Jenkinson, like, hanging out, driving around town. Yeah, no, I can see it. I can see it. So then they they all look out at the view, and Lady Catherine assures them it's much nicer in the summertime. So I see why Collins likes her. Dinner is great. Mr. Collins and Sir William do nothing for the whole time but talk about how great dinner is which lady catherine loves she's just eating it up oh yeah and it says that the party did not supply much conversation which i I can see lizzie feels like she could totally carry on a conversation but she's seated between charlotte who is listening to lady catherine and baby de berg who won't speak to her or anyone the ladies then return to the drawing room and i wanted to to ask like are the men having a cigar in the other room? Is that what's happening here? I think so. Okay. Or like a whiskey. I don't know. Okay. But can you imagine a room that's just William Lucas and Mr. No, Collins? that's why I was confused. I was like, I feel like you guys don't have to follow the norms right now if you don't want to. But they did. They don't always. I mean, like, if you look at what happened when they were all at Netherfield, it was always co-ed when they were hanging out. Yeah. I think Lady Catherine de Berg wanted girl talk. Uh... Girl talk with the ladies. Away from Mr. Collins. Yeah, sure. She spends some time telling Charlotte how to live her life, and then she turns to Lizzie and observes to Charlotte that her friend is a very genteel, pretty kind of girl. You could tell Lizzie that to her face. I mean, she's right there. She could, but I guess... But that's not how she operates. No, 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 no. It is interesting that she takes this moment to notice that Lizzie's kind of a catch. Yeah. She's like, okay... This one has some potential. Yeah. Quickly derailed, but... (laughs) (laughs) Yes. She starts asking Lizzie about her family, her sisters. She asks if they're pretty, are they getting married? And then she brings up the estate. And this is the one thing that I think I agree with Lady Catherine de Berg on. So I wrote down the quote. How do you think she speaks? Well, I mean, I would say it's with this sort of Mm. air of importance... Yes, yes. And severity. Your father's estate is entailed to Mr. Collins, I think. I see no occasion for entailing estates from the female line. It was not thought necessary in Sir Louis de Bourgh's family. Hence, the de Bourgh's are letting their ladies inherit. Yeah, which, Which, fuck yeah, de Bourgh's. Again, I think, like, 
As bitchy as Catherine de Bourgh is, we gotta respect the leadership, the game, the iconic nature of Catherine de Bourgh. Yes, I, I can respect that. Yeah. So she asks Lizzie then if she plays and sings. And Lizzie says, sometimes. And Lady Catherine is like, oh, well, you'll have to do it here sometime. Our piano is probably superior to... And then she cuts herself off. Which is rude. It's extremely rude. For someone who's so high class, she has no concept of how to, like, talk to people and be polite. Well, I think that she does it on purpose to be like, I'm I'm yes. the rich one here. I do think that this one was slightly accidental because okay. she doesn't finish it. True. But that's worse. Yeah, it is. It's awkward. She asks about her sisters and asks if they can play and sing. And Lizzie tells her that one of them can. And Catherine is like... Not all of you? What? And then she asks if they can draw, and Lizzie says none of them do. And Catherine is surprised and says that her mother should have taken them to London regularly to see masters. She also makes, like, a point about somebody else she knows who's, like, of similar means as the Who can all draw. Yeah. What are are masters, like, teachers, like, taking a class with someone to teach you how to draw? Yeah, I think so. Lizzie says, you know, her mom would have been fine with that, but her dad hates London. (laughs) You missed him. <laughs> I miss Daddy Bennett. He's such a rural fella. All I read was that her dad hates London and I like went all giddy. Oh, wow. Who would have thunk? <laughs> I have to be honest, I didn't see this one coming. I don't think any of us yeah. did. Then Captain DeBerg asks Lizzie if they had a governess and Lizzie says no they didn't have a governess so I forgot this in the last episode yeah. and that was a dumb brain fart but I knew this whole interaction happened where Catherine de Berg was like shitting on Lizzie but I forgot it was connected to the fact that her sisters and her weren't taught by a governess they were basically homeschooled by Mrs. Bennett and it even says that they weren't really homeschooled by Mrs. Bennett I think she was sort of a laissez-faire teacher <laughs> yeah and Lizzie says that because Lady Catherine's like oh your mother must have been so busy with you all the time teaching you and Lizzie's like not really. And then Lady Catherine is like, then you must have fallen to neglect. And Lizzie's like, no, we had the means to learn. Like, we were surrounded by books, and if we wanted teachers, we had them. But those who wished to idle could do so. And that would be Kidia. Yeah, and no, I was gonna say, the first three daughters, it's like, the Bennets had three daughters, and like they were like, yeah, learn what you want. And all three were like, yeah, totally. Let's like, yeah. let's learn. Let's try this. Let's try that. And then they had Kitty and Kitty are just like, I Boys. don't care. Boys. But Mary takes her studies very seriously. Yeah, so does Lizzie. Lizzie's Big fucking just... nerd. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen. Let, let Mary live. I love Mary. Yes, we stand Mary. We but do. Lizzie is very well read, too. She's extremely she oh, she's intelligent, so smart. well educated. That's why Darcy knows that he can talk to her about books. <laughs> Lady Catherine then goes on about how she's recommended many governesses to families and they've worked out very well. And then she asks if any of her sisters are out and I know what this means I know it means like being out to society but I just love the phrasing because we all know Mary's gay exactly (laughs) so Lizzie says that they're all out and Catherine is shocked that the younger ones are out before their older sisters are even married and Lizzie says it wouldn't really be fair to deny them the opportunity to like be in society just because their older sisters don't want to get married yet i do understand the logic of it from the freaking herd mentality like auction these girls off like cattle call situation of it because if you only have jane and lizzie out at one time they guys only have two options but if you have the all five out they have five options and if you marry off like lydia first by the time you get lydia married off then like what if jane's not married off and all this but you know it's it's also 
all dumb. It's so dumb. So Lady Catherine is like, Lizzie, you have very strong opinions for someone so young. How old are you? And Lizzie's like, oh, I'm not going to tell you that. And Catherine is shocked that she talked back yeah. to her. And she's like, you can't be more than 20. You don't have to hide your age. And Lizzie's like, I'm not one in 20. So does that mean she's almost 21? It means she's 20, yeah. She's, t- But she's almost 21? Yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> I feel like that's such a thing to be like, well, I'm almost 21. Also, on a side note, this is the second time we've actually gotten the age of one of the Bennett sisters. Yeah, so now we know that Lydia is 15 mm-hmm. and Lizzie is 20. Yeah. So Jane is probably 21. Around that, yeah. And you get a sense of where Mary and Kitty are as well in that probably mix. Probably like 17, 18. Yeah, yeah, around there. So that's the ages of the Bennett sisters. Finally! Remember when I thought that Mary was eight? No, you thought Kitty was eight. Oh yeah, Kitty! I've forgotten that Kitty and Lydia are different people at this point. <laughs> <laughs> they are Kitty. I, like, I feel like Lydia is very clearly bolder. Yes. Than Kitty. Oh, she's so bold. She's always just like saying whatever's on her mind. I love Lydia. <laughs> then the men join them and they start playing cards and it's pretty boring. And then Lady Catherine is like, this is the weather for tomorrow. And then they all leave. And that's the end of that chapter. Indeed. Dinner party number one done. Then we move into chapter seven. A week goes by and Sir William Lucas leaves because he had only planned to stay that long. But luckily. They don't have to see Mr. Collins anymore because, I mean, any more than they did before because he just, like, hangs out in his room and You get the sense of a real difference between the trip that William took and the trip that Lizzie took. Lizzie's there for a long time. She's, like, sustaining there the way Collins sustained at the Bennett house, whereas William's Mm -hmm. really just there for a week-long vacation. And there's a difference in the way that you interact with people when they're there for a week versus the way you interact with people when they're there for months. When someone's staying with you, you have to go back to your normal routine. Right, right. And when someone is just with you for a week, you have to, like, find activities to do and spend all your time with them. So the relief for Lizzie now is that Collins' vacation mindset is over and he's just returning to his gardening. (laughs) Yeah, he's gardening, he's sitting in his room and staring at his garden, and he's maybe reading a book here and there. (laughs) I like that because I don't believe for a second Collins is reading a book. (laughs) No, I don't either. It says he's reading and writing, but he's not. Also, did Maria stay with Lizzie or is Maria left with Mr. William? I think she left with Mr. William. Sir William. Sir William. Lizzie and Charlotte spend their time sitting in one of the smaller, like, less ornate rooms with a worse view and Lizzie's like why are we doing this and then she realizes it's because Collins won't come in there say what you want about Charlotte but Charlotte is so smart so smart she is so wily in this moment what a way to find the solitude in her home like can you imagine all the tricks she has to not have sex with him oh my god probably so many so many tricks girl like she's probably always on her period and collins doesn't know shit about the female anatomy so he just believes her yep (laughs) um every time baby de berg drives by though he does come down and says baby de berg is here and that's about all they see of him collins and charlotte walk to rosings pretty much every day and lizzie is confused as to why, and so am I, because she says, Till Elizabeth recollected that there might be other family livings to be disposed of, she could not understand the sacrifice of so many hours. There might be other family livings to be disposed of. Maybe they're hoping to have a slice of the inheritance. Oh, they're sucking up. Yes. I see. So all Lady Catherine ever really does is tell them how they are bad and wrong and how they can be better. Which is why Collins likes her. He loves to be told that he's bad and wrong. He likes to be told to improve. (laughs) I just had a very different image in my head than what I was hoping to have enter my head. 
what happened? Like, he likes to be told he's a bad boy. I need a moment for that. Mm-hmm. I... Oh my god, my soul left my body. That's what do you think so his gross. kink is? Obviously, he's a sub. Yeah. Like, obviously. And, like, that's fine. Like what you like. Not gonna judge on this podcast. But the idea of picturing Mr. Collins with sexual desires, because I've just been sort of thinking that, like, whatever he wants is just, like, the very brief, very formal interaction with Charlotte to birth children. And it, there, I was picturing something rather similar to the dance he has with Lizzie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the dance where he's fumbling and keeps apologizing. For... I'm so sorry. Yeah. Oh, oh, God, I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> the amount of apologizing, if that were something that I had to... Nope. Nope, nope we're, we're done. Not, we're, not, we're, done. we're not going down that rabbit nope. hole right so now. So anyway, I don't care what Lady Catherine thinks. She's rude and she's classist. She so. literally walks to town because no one else will talk to her and just like tells people what to do. That's like all she does. That's all she does. She just finds people to tell are wrong. Yeah. Like that's that's her entire life That's story. her whole everything. And they're all like over at Rosings about twice a week for dinner. As Collins promised. She invites them twice a week. But otherwise they don't really do much because mm-hmm. Collins doesn't have any friends in the neighborhood. <laughs> what it says is the style of living in the neighborhood in general was beyond the Collins's reach. But that means that they don't have any friends. It does mean they don't have any friends. It also means they're a little too poor to have friends. Mm. So that sucks. Yeah. Lizzie likes to go for long walks on the beach when <laughs> the rest of them are in Rosings. Not, Not on, on the, the beach, beach, but yes. Yeah, she likes to go for long walks. And she finds a specific walk along the edge of the grove that has a nice shaded area. And she thinks that it's like her own secret spot. Aww. And I imagine that something very romantic is going to happen there. No comment. Okay. And then it's time for Easter. And Easter brings another guest, and the guest is Darcy. <laughs> yes. Oh my god, I you called that. I did, I called it right off the bat. End of the first volume, I was like, I bet Darcy's gonna be at Rosings with them. Yes. And he is. And oh my god, it fulfilled all of my dreams. I know I when you predicted that, the amount it took to not move my face. It took everything in my body to not do that. I'm so happy. Lizzie's really excited for him to come because she wants to observe his behaviors with baby DeBerg so she can see just how hopeless Caroline's crush on him really is. Again, I feel like Lizzie is hiding from the narrator just a smidge Mm -hmm. because it's like, why do you care so much? She's like really obsessed with this baby DeBerg and Darcy thing. Why are you so obsessed with me? So, um, <laughs> we shouldn't sing on this podcast. Especially because we've told the listeners many times that we can actually sing, and that was heinous. That was terrible. <laughs> so, Catherine is disappointed that the girls have already met Darcy because she wanted to, like, you know, show him off. Yeah, I mean, when we met Wickham, he said, like, the pride and joy of Catherine DeBerg's entire life is Mr. Darcy. Yeah. But speaking of people named Mr. Darcy, <laughs> he arrives with his cousin, whose name is... Colonel Fitzwilliam. So that leads me to believe that older Mr. Darcy picked his brother's last name, or like his cousin's last name, oh, okay. as his son's first name. Because my comments are Jane. Jane Austen. What? Oh, no, no. I think it's connected. I don't think it's an accident. <laughs> right. Well, I figured it wasn't an accident. I was just like, can you be a little more creative with picking the name? <laughs> like, I get it. I have a friend who's parents didn't change their last name like when they got Mm -hmm. married like just like my parents didn't but instead of giving their children one name or the other they named their daughter both of their last names together 
So oh. like her her mom's last name was Shaughnessy, I guess, and her first name is Shaughnessy, and we call her Shauna. Okay, cool. Yeah, that makes um, sense. That's, I think that Fitzwilliam Darcy has that kind of name. But he's hanging out with his cousin, whose last name is Fitzwilliam. Yeah, What's his first name? Colonel. I, it doesn't say. Interesting. I like well, calling him Fitzy in my brain. Yeah, I've been calling him Fitzy. Additionally, I'm obsessed with him. I fucking love Fitzy. He is so great. He is so, so great. Yeah, he's introduced to being around 30 and not handsome, but very gentlemanly. So we like that. Oh, he's deeply charming and yes. kind. Like, yes, so he, you don't have to be handsome if you have a good personality. Oh my god, totally. Yeah. Like, honestly, like, Fitzy is one of the most crushable guys in this book. In I have a way. big crush on him already. Oh my god. So they come to call on the ladies right away. And Charlotte says, I may thank you, Eliza, for this piece of civility. Mr. Darcy would never have come so soon to wait upon me. And I like to think that she's, like, making fun of Lizzie here. She's totally making fun Great. of Lizzie here. Yeah, we love Charlotte. Um, <laughs> Charlotte is so good. I was so happy when she and Lizzie kind of, like, it's not totally mended, but it's, like, it's coming fixing. back. It's yeah. good. And, oh, I wrote that I wanted to read a quote with a winky face next to it that I, hang on. Ah, so Darcy comes in with Mr. Fitzy, and it says that he's the same as always with his usual reserve, uh, and he greets Mrs. Collins, and whatever might be his feelings toward her friend, met her with every appearance of composure. I like it. I think he's like, oh, you guys can't see me, but he's like holding his hands in front of his his pants, and he's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Here's a question. Did Darcy know that Lizzie was gonna be there? That is a question. Like, it's it's not totally clear. I like to think that he did. Well, I'm not gonna comment on that. Hello, it's Molly from the future hopping in to tell you about a new season of one of my absolute favorite podcasts. Hot and Bothered, hosted by returning Pod and Prejudice guest Vanessa Zoltan, is a podcast that treats romance as sacred. You've probably all already heard of this podcast because in their fourth season, they covered Pride and Prejudice. And now, Hot and Bothered is back with a season that is all about romantic films. The first 10 episodes of this new season follow Vanessa as she learns how to critically watch movies by looking closely at the classic 2003 rom-com How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. After 10 episodes, Vanessa will be joined by her co-host Hannah McGregor, a media studies scholar, author, and podcaster, and together they'll look at romantic films from Casablanca to Love and Basketball to When Harry Met Sally. The show is already so fun after just listening to one episode, and I cannot wait to listen to the rest of the season. So subscribe to Hot and Bothered wherever you get your podcasts to jump into this new season that's all about romantic films, or to enjoy their previous seasons about Pride and Prejudice, Jane Eyre, and a personal favorite, Twilight. Again, that's Hot and Bothered, and it can be found wherever you get your podcasts. Also, this August, Vanessa is leading a pilgrimage to Bath for a five-day trip dedicated to Northanger Abbey. Now, I don't know anything about Northanger Abbey, but even I want to go on this trip. Together, you and 20 other Austinites are delving into the story of Catherine Moreland while immersed in a gorgeous city that features heavily in Austin's life and writing, as you know. So if you enjoy contemplative hikes, immersion in a new city, time away from your regular life, and the chance to talk about Austin with fans from all over the world, which I know all of you do, then this trip is for you. So check out Common Ground Pilgrimages at readingandwalkingwith.com. To claim your spot on the Northanger Abbey trip, head to readingandwalkingwith.com slash northanger-abbey-2024. And now, back to this episode. So, Fitzy? talks to everyone and is like very great and genial and being just awesome we love he's him just i feel like his modern day equivalent 
is that dude in the like craft beer garden who's like wearing flannel and it's just like everyone's friend he's just like so warm he's so sweet sure that could go one of two ways like he could be that guy or he could be a douche if it's if it's that guy in the craft beer garden so he's not like a pretentious guy but like i'm thinking of like not brooklyn craft beer gardens i'm thinking of philly craft beer gardens where like or dc yeah he's just like the people's guy he's just so nice yeah we like him and really like him while he's talking to everyone darcy is standing in the corner and saying nothing (laughs) like a fucking weirdo and (laughs) <laughs> Fitzwilliam Darcy, human disaster. Terrible. And then he eventually, like, blurts out. He's like, uh, how, Lizzie, how's your family? And Lizzie, in return, blurts out, my sister's been in London for three months. Have you seen her? And I was like, <gasps> Yeah, yeah. And Darcy then looks confused, and I'm imagining him looking a little hurt because, like, he didn't know. And he says, no, I haven't. And you said, cute, fuck. I said, cute, fuck. And then I wrote in all caps, Darcy, why? Ah. I love that you like him now. It's so good. It's like, I'm just, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't know how to be. I know. I know. It's so sad. So it's like, I kind of feel like if he knew how to be, he would be good. Well, you know what? Then we're going to get it's there. Okay. We're moving on to chapter He literally eight. says something similar about himself. He does. He's very self-aware. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. About his awkwardness, yeah. at least. So, chapter eight, my first note is, we love Colonel Fitzwilliam. Yeah, I feel like... And everyone like, does. I feel like Lizzie's existence at Rosings has been really boring. And, and now it's sparky. It is getting hot. Hanukkah. It is getting... <laughs> almost, actually. <laughs> almost Hanukkah. Um, so, it is getting hot up in here at this point. Not only because Darcy is there, and we know there's that little snap, crackle, and pop happening between him and Lizzie... But also because Colonel Fitzwilliam is just honestly cool. He's so cool. They're just having fun. <laughs> and then the Collinses plus Lizzie are not invited to Rosings for a few days, but Colonel Fitzwilliam visits them a lot. They see Darcy at church. They get the invitation while they're at church, and then they go to Lady Catherine's house, even though it's clear they're her last resort for company. <laughs> Colonel Fitzwilliam <laughs> has a crush on Lizzie Bennet. Kind of. I, I think it's more like he's well, just he just finds her to be fascinating, you know? I'm not so sure about that. Hem, hem, hem. Colonel Fitzwilliam seemed really glad to see them. Anything was a welcome relief to him at Rosings, and Mrs. Collins's pretty friend had, moreover, caught his fancy very much. Fair enough, fair enough. And then... She likes him back, because listen, he now seated himself by her and talked so agreeably of Kent and Hertfordshire, of traveling and staying at home, of new books and music, that Elizabeth had never been half so well entertained in that room before, and they conversed with so much spirit and flow as to draw the attention of Lady Catherine herself, as well of Mr. Darcy. And Mr. Darcy's like, how does he do it? Yeah. He doesn't stand over her and wait for her to say something That's to him. That's all he ever does. That's all he ever does. Because, I mean, he he and Lizzie have this great back and forth, like, brilliant banter. But he never has, like, a general, normal conversation with her. It's always a fight. Darcy, you could just, like, find a way to actually talk to her and be nice. You could. You could. And so Lady Catherine is like, they're having a good conversation without me. And so she has to be involved. And she's like, what are you talking about? Tell me. And he's like, music. And she says she just must be involved in the conversation because, oh, she loves music. And she would be great at it if she had ever learned how to play. Which I'm surprised because she's very hypocritical in that way. Mm -hmm. She, you know. And her daughter, Anne. (laughs) That is baby to person name. Have you forgotten? (laughs) 
We didn't learn it yet. Did you not? We hadn't learned it yet. This is her name, Anne. I think they like mentioned it in the first chapter. But oh, we did just, they? Like, we just decided to call her Baby to Berg. Oh. <laughs> I was like, Anne, and I turned to Becca with like, that's her name. <laughs> I, I just thought you knew already. <laughs> I didn't. She would be really good if she wasn't sick. Which seems to be a trend for yes. Anne, who's just conveniently sick. Yes. Too sick to be talented. <laughs> <laughs> and yikes. And then Catherine asks how Georgiana Darcy is at music, our girl Georgie, and Darcy says she's pretty good at music, and Catherine tells him to tell her to practice, and he says, I don't think she needs any such advice. She practices quite a bit. And Lady Catherine's like, good, I'll write to her and tell her to practice more. <laughs> Like, what? It's just it's so good. She's so meddling. It's so good. Then she mentions that she thinks that Lizzie should practice more. And she also says that Charlotte could practice in Mrs. Jenkinson's room because nobody would be bothered by her there. Except for fucking Mrs. Jenkinson. Also, just like, stop. Charlotte's great. Yeah, Charlotte doesn't need to practice. Or, I mean, even I mean, if she, she does, like, like, tolerate it. You're the one demanding everyone be good at piano. Yeah. Oh, is she saying that she doesn't want... To hear Charlotte play? Yeah. Oh, I was more angry about her saying that Mrs. Jenkins is not a person. <laughs> but, like, There everything. are two... It is very rude. It's very rude. So rude. And Darcy's embarrassed. Yeah, He's yeah. He's embarrassed for her, her behavior. Yeah. And... Oh, how the tables have turned. Oh, how the Liz- turntables. <laughs> so, in this moment, you have Darcy being very embarrassed by a matriarch in his family mm-hmm. for signs of ill breeding in front of Lizzie Bennet. Let that marinate for a second. And we can move on. Yep. So <laughs> Fitzy requests that Lizzie play then, and she just agrees, which she never does. It's kind of her thing that when she's asked to play music, she's like, no. I remember when Charlotte asked her to play in, like, the first ball, Lizzie was like, you know, if my vanity had been inclined towards music in any way, your constant pressure on me to play would be very useful, but as it is, I don't want to. And now, when Fitzy asks her to play, she's like, okay! She's in! She's, She's like, having a ball! So, she plays, and Fitzwilliam pulls up a chair next to her, and it's very cute, and then Darcy just... (laughs) Describe exactly what happens at this moment, because, again... Fitzwilliam Darcy has no concept of how to deal with a woman who he is attracted to. He walks towards her with his usual deliberation and stations himself so as to command a full view of the fair performer's countenance. Just standing in front of her. He's just literally standing in front of the piano being like dead Dead staring. Well, not dead eyes because his eyes are alive with the fire in his heart for Elizabeth Bennet and his groin. He's just staring at her, and Lizzie sees what he's doing, and she smiles at him, and she tells him she knows what's up. She knows that he's trying to intimidate her uh, by, like, standing there reminding her how good Georgie Darcy is, and she won't be intimidated by it. She says, my courage always rises with every attempt made to intimidate me, and I love that. But she could not be more wrong about what he is trying to do. This Lizzie, at this point in time, honestly, you are lying to yourself. She's teasing him. (laughs) I wanted to read his response out loud. He says, I shall not say that you are mistaken, because you could not really believe me to entertain any design of alarming you. And I have had the pleasure of your acquaintance long enough to know that you find great enjoyment in occasionally professing opinions, which, in fact, are not your own. I want to unpack that, because at first I thought he was saying, 
that... He's saying you're teasing me, I think. Yeah, he's calling her out. Yeah. Yeah. And she then turns to Fitzwilliam and says, Your cousin will give you a very pretty notion of me and teach you not to believe a word I say. And specifically, she says that she's so unlucky to have met someone so willing to expose her real character. That she's a liar and, and, and she is in such a good mood in this scene. She really in is. In a way that she has not been around Darcy yet, I don't think. Yeah. Because she's like giggling and, and she's smiling. like lit up. And she's having a good time. And then she says that she could really expose him because she like knows stuff about him that she's sure Fitzy doesn't know. And Darcy says, I'm not afraid of you. He said, smilingly. That is such good flirting. Darcy, do you see what happens when you actually talk to her? It's so biting. It's so good. (laughs) It's so cute. And then Fitzwilliam is like, oh, yes, I would love to hear how Darcy is around strangers, like when he's not with family. And she has the nerve. This is so good. This is so good. She brings up the first ball and she tells him, Darcy only danced with four people. Like, he only did four dances. Even though there were men lacking, there were plenty of girls sitting on the sidelines for lack of a man. As we can recall, Lizzie was sitting on the sidelines when she heard him say, She is tolerable, but not handsome enough to tempt me. (laughs) Savage. And then... Darcy says that he didn't really know anyone at that time except for his own party that he came with. And Lizzie says, oh, true, and nobody can ever be introduced in a ballroom. So anyway, what should I play? My fingers are at your command. She says this to Fitzy. Hot. It's very hot. Lizzie is so hot. So hot. And then Darcy says, perhaps I should have judged better and sought an introduction, but I am ill-qualified to recommend myself to strangers. He knows he's awkward and he knows he lacks social skills. He does. Then Lizzie, still not talking directly to him, which I love, she turns back to Fitzwilliam and she's like, should we ask him why he's ill-fitted to recommend himself to strangers? And Fitzwilliam is like, oh, I know why. It's because he doesn't bother. <laughs> he doesn't even bother to try. I love So Colonel Fitzwilliam obviously has great affection for Darcy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're bros. They're, they're, uh, they're cousins. They, like, they're family as well. Mm-hmm. And so like this gentle teasing that's happening, I mean, some of it for Lizzie is genuine malice because she still has this bitch cracker syndrome for Darcy. She does. But there is an element to the fun teasing where you're getting to see someone interact with Darcy the way Lizzie interacts with Darcy and also enjoy the crap out of him. Yes, and you see that it can be fun and flirty, even though, I mean, it's like cousin, but she's like seeing that you can be mean to Darcy, but also... Because the Bingleys were like, Charles is like cloyingly sweet. Yes. All the time. You know what? I forgot about him. Oh, God. (laughs) Well, and then I was going to say Caroline was like sucking his dick the entire time. She wishes. Oh, she does. Oof. Oof, poor Caroline. Yeah. It's been a pretty vulgar one. Yeah. <laughs> whoops, whoops. But she really doesn't tease him about anything other than Lizzie. Yeah. And it's mo- mostly not in front of Lizzie. Yeah. So, like, you're seeing someone genuinely and, like, joining in with Lizzie on shitting on Darcy. Yeah. But in such a warm way. Yeah. Then Darcy says, like, I don't really have the talent of conversing easily with people or uh, catching their tone of conversation or appearing interested in their concerns. <laughs> he had me until that one. Yeah, I was like, like, at first you're like, oh, Darcy, like, it's okay, you can make friends. And then he's like, and I can't pretend to care about people. <laughs> 
such a fucking disaster. It's crazy. Oh my god, he's a disaster. <laughs> and then Lizzie then makes a really excellent metaphor. Mm-hmm. It's so good, that quote. Where... Yeah, should I just read it? Yeah, I think so, actually. I know we've been reading aloud a lot from this chapter, but it's because Lizzie has been particularly on point this chapter. Yeah, this is a chapter of zingers. She, removed from her family and in this new environment, she's just dealing with a lot of people who are giving her a lot of shit, and she just is coming back so strong. Yeah, this is like a coming-of-age story for Lizzie Bennet. It really is, honestly. My fingers do not move over this instrument in the masterly manner which I see so many women's do. They have not the same force or rapidity and do not produce the same expression. But then, I have always supposed it to be my own fault because I would not take the trouble of practicing. It is not that I do not believe my fingers as capable as any other woman's of superior execution. And Darcy smiles and says, You are perfectly right. You have employed your time much better. No one admitted to the privilege of hearing you can think anything wanting. We neither of us perform to strangers. Which is exactly what I said. Lizzie rarely has picked up and just like played the piano for strangers. Darcy doesn't know how to do it either, but she practices with like her people. And Darcy's trying to practice with his people. The fact that they're familiar with each other in this moment is like, it's creating this... Yeah, that exactly. Yeah. You might not have gotten this subtly placed in. Lizzie has been super self-deprecating to her piano skills Mm -hmm. for the entire book. Yeah. And he also just said, you used your time well elsewhere. Because I didn't find anything lacking in your playing when he I finally heard it. He compliments her. Which he has been so bad at doing, but this compliment is so artfully crafted that He's it... probably been planning it. No, that's the thing. Aww. It's just instinctual because it's based on her comment to him. You're right. They have a good banter. They have a banter going and he's comfortable enough to, out of his own witticism, come up with a something nice to say to her. Oh my god, he's probably so cute in this moment he's probably Dear looking at diary like... <laughs> today i spoke to lizzie and she didn't walk away Wait, from me this reminds me of um the the meme that you sent me that was like dear diary i lied she was totally handsome enough to tempt me <laughs> oh my gosh i would um, love pride and prejudice from darcy's perspective but it's just darcy's diary yes so should we good. write that yes so Catherine then interrupts them and lizzie starts playing again and she observes darcy and baby de Berg, which is what she's been kind of hoping to do and she notices that she doesn't see any love in him and she thinks that this is going to be a comfort to miss bingley because he'd be just as likely to marry her as baby de Berg based on the lack of love on his face okay lizzie yeah how happy for caroline bingley is getting to be a really old refrain how happy for caroline bingley is getting to be uh more and more a scapegoat a lie. Yeah, uh, it's a cover-up, a ruse. A, a lie she's telling herself. Then Lady Catherine just, like, keeps commenting on how Lizzie could be better at playing the piano until the carriage comes. And they leave, and that's the end of these four chapters. Oh, these were juicy. These were so last, juicy. <laughs> last week's chapters were just a little dry because, you know, you're exposing mm-hmm. things that are happening. And, like, the chapters before that were kind of depressing because the Bingleys left, and we had to watch Jane get her heart broken. Yes, we did. So... These chapters are great yeah. because the spice is a little back in. Yeah. There's stuff happening. As my mother would say, things are beginning to grow in the lasagna. <laughs> what? In the lasagna? <laughs> so you know how my mom has like the baby Mrs. Bennett tendencies? Uh-huh. If she is watching something happen <laughs> with two people who seem to be like flirting or things are getting like interesting or spicy she says things are beginning to grow in the lasagna but why because something's festering i know but <laughs> why in 
<laughs> Why in the lasagna? I don't know. She's Italian. I okay. Mean. <laughs> I don't want anything growing in my lasagna. I mean, it depends on which lasagna we're talking about. I do think they have certain pills for that, but... <laughs> Cut that, cut that out. I'm not cutting that. I'm not cutting it. It's brilliant. That's exactly what I was thinking. I winked at Becca. (laughs) So should we move on? That is not what the phrase means, by the way. But yes, let's move on to the study question. Let's move on to the study question. Rosings. We are in a brand new setting. Again, we have done the whole book at the Shire. Mm -hmm. We have gone to Longbourn. We've gone to Netherfield. But it's mostly been like this one town. This one thing happening with this one family. I wanted to talk about how the story shifts. We haven't just taken a day trip to London. Yeah. We are in a new location for months. And Darcy's there and Lizzie's there and they're in a secluded area with a walk they could go on potentially. You want the, you want them to go to the Grove, don't you? I do. Okay, no comment on that. But Lizzie's going to ride a horse at some point. I remember that from the movie. I wanted to talk about how the dynamic of Lizzie versus the world has shifted in a new setting mm-hmm. and also how this new cast of characters we have is creating a different story a little. Well, Lizzie is totally different in this setting. She's able to, like, fully allow her savagery to unleash upon the world. True. I think that it's exciting that she and Charlotte get to hang out and, like, kind of rekindle their their friendship. I just, I like the seclusion of Rosings. It's a contained world. Yeah, and it's like, we've gotten to know all these people at the Shire. Mm -hmm. It's like the kids are away. But, I mean, these are the kids, and they're away, and we followed the kids away. Yeah, we're, we're going abroad. We're having our little find-ourselves yeah. moment in yes. different parts of the country. And I'm just, I can't get over that Lizzie and Darcy are there together. Oh my god, you're so shipping. I want you to go back and listen to the first episode of this show. I have! <laughs> I have, and it's so funny. You hated him so I hated much. him so much, and I was, like, all about Jane and Bingley, and I think Bingley's boring in comparison honestly i forgot about him oh my god but still my heart we are not into charles bingley anymore no we're still into him i just think that it's interesting seeing darcy away from him for one absolutely he looks nicer when bingley's not standing next to him right because it's like bingley is so great oh yeah i think that darcy you know when for example when he arrived at rosings and fitzwilliam is like doing all the talking he didn't say a word because he doesn't know how to like compared to that kind of person but when it's just him I feel like he could be like he gets this banter with Lizzie and it's once he's comfortable he's so fun yeah and I'm excited about the new characters but we're about to get to that all right yes I want to talk about the new characters so we've met several yes but I think there are really three characters to talk about Colonel Fitzwilliam ah yes oh yes baby de Berg and Catherine de Berg and Mrs. Jenkinson, my best friend. Okay, we can talk about Mrs. Jenkinson too, if you have anything to say. I don't. Okay. Fitzwilliam, intrigued. Intrigued to what, as, why? What's he doing there? How is he related to Darcy? I know they're cousins, but like, if Darcy's father loved Wickham the most. Well, I think Colonel Fitzwilliam's a bit older. Yes, and he's someone else's son. Yes. Darcy's father had a brother? I okay. Sister? I think that they are second cousins, but I could be wrong. Okay. But it says he's the son of Darcy's uncle, which could mean a lot of things. Oh, okay. The reason I think they're second cousins is because they have different last names. 
Yes. And they well, are connected through their fathers. They have different last or names. Or maybe, maybe, oh, actually, you know what? I take this back. They're first cousins because they're under his mom's side because he's also related to Catherine de Berg, which is the mom's side. Mm-hmm. In any event, he's awesome. He is so awesome. Yeah. And I do think that he has a crush on Lizzie. And I do think that Lizzie has a crush back. I think she... I forgot about Wickham. I forgot about Wickham. I was like so all in for Fitzwilliam in this chapter, but only all in for Fitzwilliam in that I think Darcy's going to get jealous. And I think we already saw little hints of that. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So love him. Baby DeBerg seems wildly uninteresting because they won't let us get to know her because she's sick. <laughs> it really does. That's like the personality we've gotten out of her sick. Yeah. And it's, again, not a part of her personality. They don't even explain how she is sick. I just, I want to know. It seems like... Give us a prediction for if you got to be in the sick chamber with baby DeBerg. What do you think her, her hobbies? What's she into? What's oh my she god, like? she and Mary would be friends. Collection of bugs collect, together? Collect bugs. Oh my god, wait, wait. This is the ship we've been waiting for? We found <laughs> We found Mary's girlfriend! That would be oh so my lovely. My voice just went off the charts. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Graham. Oh my god, yeah, no, they don't, I'm not gonna spoil much by this, but I, I don't think they interact in this book. Damn it. Spin-off? Fanfiction? Spin-off fanfiction. If someone wants to write this, please. Us, we are so down for a Mary Baby to Berg fanfic. Yeah. That that feels right. Oh my god. Wow. Yeah. I'm just like picturing like you go into her room and you've like been sent to watch her and you don't really know what to say and you're sitting there and she's like, it's time to put on some death metal. And then yes. she Oh just my god, she's such a there. metalhead. Yeah. I love this. I love giving Baby to Berg her agency back. She has yes. none. Her mom has all the agency. Exactly. Which brings us to Lady Catherine de Berg. Is she everything you pictured? She's so much worse. Oh my god. I was like, I feel like she's gonna be fine, and he's over-exaggerating everything, and, like, on the one hand, he is over-exaggerating everything. On the other hand, he's absolutely not, and he doesn't realize how much of a bitch she is. Oh my god, he really doesn't. And I think Charlotte does. Oh yeah. And, that, and that's why she's like, she's a very good neighbor. That's Catherine. She has opinions. I think that's her number one character trait, is that she thinks that she knows everything. She really and a lot of it comes from her social class. Mm-hmm. But she has decided to, quote, condescend. So a lot of people from her social class don't enjoy hanging out with people of the lower mm. so- social oh. classes. But Catherine de Berg does. Yeah. Because she likes bossing people around so much she that likes, she's willing to hang out with people from lower classes She wants to, do to it. tell them what to do with exactly. their lives. That's why she likes recommending governesses to people so that she can have a say in their life from then on. I mean, Collins literally got married because Catherine de Berg told him to. Yeah. Also, I don't know if you clocked this, but when she was asking about Lizzie, to me, I think she was trying to figure out her breeding to yes. figure out if there are any men she could force on Lizzie. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's all I have to say about her. She's not my favorite character. I love her. <laughs> I'm sure that I'll get to know her better. I, I kind of have a prediction that if Lizzie and Darcy starts to be a thing on this retreat that they have, she's going to meddle the shit out of it because she cannot have him not marrying her daughter. All right, we're not going to comment on that. All right, that's my prediction, though. All right, so the next thing we have, after all the drama from the last two episodes we did, so the last, like, six chapters, mm-hmm. seven chapters, with Charlotte and Collins and Lizzie, we finally have this settled armistice between Lizzie and Charlotte and Lizzie and Collins, and we get to see the settled marriage 
of Charlotte and Mr. Collins. So we talked about this a little, but I wanted to talk about what do we think of this marriage? What do we think of Lizzie's place in this house? And the presence of Collins and Charlotte and their marriage in this book as a foil to the crackling uh. love that both Jane Austen and Elizabeth Bennet clearly crave. Yes, it is absolutely the opposite of that <laughs> because there is no spark. As we already determined, Charlotte has thought of a million different ways to not have sex with this man. She really has. Charlotte tolerates Mr. Collins's presence to the bare minimum mm -hmm. so that for the most of her life she can live peacefully. But she also seems fine. Charlotte's always been a very tolerant person. I remember one of the dances where Darcy asked Lizzie to dance and Charlotte said, you might find him agreeable. Which, like, at the time I was like, Charlotte, what? But now I'm seeing that that's kind of who she is. She's like, this person could be fine. And I think that she's she's fine in this relationship. I think Lizzie is here to stir the pot. She hasn't really stirred the Charlotte Collins pot too much. No, so I don't think she wants to break them up or anything. But she's, she needs to make Charlotte's life a little bit more interesting. There needs to be a little spark. And I think that she's there to have a good time and to flirt with Fitzy and to flirt with Darcy also. And to talk back to Catherine de Bourgh. And flirt with her a little. <laughs> and Oh my god, and flirt with her. Oh my god, can you imagine if Lizzie and baby de Bourgh... Lizzie's too extroverted for baby de Bourgh. But sometimes you need that. I think when you're Anne de Bourgh's level of introvert, you need another introvert. <laughs> yeah. I can see why they think that Darcy would be a good match for baby. Mostly the reason they think Darcy would be a good match for baby de Bourgh is because they both have whopping fortunes to inherit. For sure. For sure. Yep. Anyway. The next thing I wanted to bring up was, did we learn anything new about Lizzie this chapter? She's okay at the piano? Yeah, she, she keeps talking about how bad she's at it, but she's not. Did we learn anything new about Lizzie? I don't know, what do you think? So I think that taking her out of, like, the elements of her family mm -hmm. dynamic does teach you a little bit about Lizzie, because I think mostly we saw her interact with her family mm -hmm. and Darcy mm -hmm. for the first part of the book. It's very much her comfort zone. But, you know, it's a lot of burden of her kind of embarrassing mother and sisters and devotion to Jane and Jane's happiness above her own. So you see her sort of putting herself aside in a lot of situations for the people around her. Here, when she, Lizzie's yeah. traveling, she's like the star. She's the apple of everyone's eye. Yeah. She's the interesting, pretty friend. They do so, call her that a lot. Yeah, so you see her kind of released from the expectations of her family and able to just exist as herself. Mm -hmm. So I think you learn a little bit about her more cheeky, fun nature. Not that you didn't before. But we but get to it, see it more. Yeah, you get to see more of that. You get to see how other people who haven't known her for her entire life perceive it who aren't Caroline Bingley. Right. Or trying to bone her. Uh, they're all trying to bone her. That, I mean, that's true. But there's there's a way in which I think she gets to be a little bit more shiny right now. Shiny. Yeah. Sparkling like a lovely woman's neck. Yes, exactly. Uh, yep, there we go. Like Catherine DeBerg's neck. Catherine DeBerg's neck. My next question is, how does Darcy's character shift from Netherfield to Rosings? What's changed? I think he's being a little braver. He's talking a little bit more. Why? Because he doesn't have, like we talked about, he's not standing next to Bingley. And he's not, like, in this shadow. He's not behind him on the horse anymore. <laughs> he's also getting to be shiny. He's a getting little. to be shiny. Well, a little, but he's still next to Fitzy. That's true. And Fitzy is 
so dreamy. Ugh. We love him. We Even though he's not Darcy. handsome. I mean... Darcy's handsome. We, we can't forget that Darcy's are, hot. I mean, yeah, Darcy is hot. It yeah. is made clear from the get-go that Darcy is hot. But there are people like Fitzy who, realistically, if I were in this world, Fitzy would be the one I'd want because same, like, sure. Like, well, I yeah. like I like a man whose personality is just as jocular and weird as mine. Yeah, yeah. I okay. So Fitzy is like Lando Calrissian, and Darcy's like Han. Darcy is not as charming as Han. No, no, he's not. <laughs> but he's a scoundrel. He is a scoundrel. Uh, but hmm. What I was going to say is that I also think that Darcy's not good with strangers, mm-hmm. and here, he's comfortable. Because he's around his family. He's just around family. There's, and also, I think he has thinks he has a better shot at getting Lizzie to talk to him, because she is surrounded by people that she doesn't know now. Right, she's kind of the underdog here. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, the dynamic between them has shifted. Yeah. And it's interesting. I enjoy that. Which brings me to their relation. Yes. How has it evolved in the months that have passed? It's flirtier. It's more lighthearted. It's less like, I'm going to murder you in your tracks. Yes. I think that the fact that Jane's not there means Lizzie gets to kind of get to know him a little bit more as a person, or at least this is what I'm perceiving, because when Jane was there, she was always torn between making sure Jane looks good and wanting to punch him in the face. Yes, and I also think it was a matter of when Jane was there, she had someone to talk to who Mm -hmm. wasn't Darcy, and Mm -hmm. now she doesn't have anybody to talk to but Darcy and Fitzy. Charlotte. Yeah, but Charlotte's often off, like, taking care of Catherine de Bourgh. She is. She is. Yeah. yeah, I like the evolution of their relationship so far. I can't wait for them to go for a walk together, alone. Okay. <laughs> All right, and the last question before our standbys I have is that Georgiana came up again, Darcy's sister. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wonder if you're forming a picture of her at all. She's younger, in my head. She's got a cute little dress on. Either that or she's a badass. Like, she's either very, like, simple and, like, nice and perfect, or that's the image that everyone projects of her, but she's, like, really cool. But I would like her to not be as great as they're all saying she is, because I don't want Bingley to date her. Okay, so funniest quote? I don't know if it's, like, the funniest, but it's pretty good. I talked about this one a little bit. But this is when Lizzie's wondering about why they're in the the uglier room in the Mm -hmm. house. And she says, She soon saw that her friend had an excellent reason for what she did, for Mr. Collins would undoubtedly have been much less in his own apartment had they sat in one equally lively. And she gave Charlotte credit for the arrangement. Excellent choice of quote. I was actually thinking that was going to be the quote. Yeah. All right. (laughs) So then my next question is, what's your question moving forward? <laughs> I, first of all, I still want to know what the fuck is up with Baby DeBerg, but I don't think we're going to get that information. So I'm going to have to go with, is something a brewing between Lizzie and Fitzy? Are things beginning to grow in the lasagna? <laughs> <laughs> There's something growing in Lizzie's lasagna. Ew. Ew. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's continue. What's the next question, Becca? Who wins the chapter? Oh my god. I feel like we had a lot of winners this week. We did. I, it's, it's either Fitzy or Darcy. Give me an answer. Darcy. Wow, look at that. Listen, for all of you listening out there, we know that no means no. However, if you are able to really expose who you are deep down and who you are is great, then you can even turn someone who hates you into someone who picks you as the winner of the episode. He's just, yeah, yep, 
Yep. I'm shipping. You're shipping. I'm shipping. It's so cute. Okay. I'm really shipping. I think we're going to end it there. Thanks so much for joining us today, as always. Follow us on social media. Email me any questions. And don't forget to check out our Patreon if you want to help us get another microphone because it is uncomfortable sitting like yep. this. Just leaning in. We're just leaning in. So until next time, stay proper. Find a husband. Pod and Prejudice is edited by Molly Burdick with art by Torrance Brown. Special thanks to our audio producer, Graham Cook, without whom we would sound like garbage fire. To keep up with the show, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Pod and Prejudice. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash pod and prejudice. If you like what you hear, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash pod and prejudice to see how you can support us or just drop us a rating and a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening.